for it. Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union labels. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left-right, black-white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. Uh, if this is indeed your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And of course, with great dispatch and alacrity, we love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's right, the Alan Nathan Show is entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you, reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week again, all thanks to you. And by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right, please get out of the thought control business. Our topics du jour, as you may have heard, well, Biden's FHFA rule forcing those with good credit to subsidize those with bad credit for mortgages is an illegal tax because it hasn't been written by Congress. And this, of course, has prompted officials from 27 different states to assail the damn thing as, quote unquote, disastrous, as well as, quote, one of the most backward incentives imaginable, unquote. Also, Hispanics are shifting to Republicans, as evidenced by 60% of them in Florida, voting for Governor Ron DeSantis. Why? Because they reject the woke socialism, camouflaged as a cure against their claims of non-existent American systemic evils. So you've got to wonder, how will this phenomenon impact the 2024 election? Now, we are expecting on the horizon uh, State Senator Ted Harvey, former State Senator Ted Harvey, Republican out of Colorado, uh, but until he gets here, I want us to go ahead and have a listen to what some folks are saying about this crazy issue. This is a conversation from Fox Business's Varney and Company with, of course, Stuart Varney. And Stuart notes that the new FHA rule where people with good credit are effectively uh, fined to help pay for high-risk people reminds him a little bit of what led to the 2008 crash. Uh, guest Mitch uh, Rochelle, uh, Madison Ventures Plus Managing Director, describes what's going on and notes that it's not the first homeowners uh, as advertised. Rather, it applies to anybody. Clip one, James, if you please. It looks to me a bit like 07 and 08 
when we were throwing money at people who could not repay their loans. I know it's on a smaller scale, but it looks similar to me. How about you? A hundred percent, Stuart. And it, it's bizarre world. Uh, the that fee that's charged, you know, PMI, which is uh, personal mortgage insurance, that fee that FHA charges is intended to punish those with lower credit scores and, and riskier loans to basically level the playing field from a risk perspective. What, we're, what are we doing? We're doing the opposite. If you have a high credit score and 680 is a good credit score, you have to pay more. And we're talking about real money. This could be $100 a month more, uh, depending on the size of your loan. So it makes no sense. And by the way, this isn't about first time home buyers. There's nothing in this rule that says it applies to first time home buyers. It applies to anybody borrowing money that's insured by FHA. It's madness. Now, you got to wonder what this is going to do to the housing market overall. It's such a counterintuitive measure. Look, if incentives reinforce behavior, then clearly disincentives counter behavior. And that rudimentary uh, component of human nature is thrown out the window um, in every respect as it relates to this bizarre move on the part of the administration. Uh, Anyway, I understand he has arrived. Former state Senator Ted Harvey, once again, Republican from the great state of Colorado. He's chairman of the committee to defeat the president at StopJoe.com. Again, that's StopJoe.com. He also served as a White House staffer under President Ronald Reagan, as well as a district office manager for Congressman Joel Heffley. And he also himself, of course, served in uh, Colorado's House of Representatives before moving on to the Senate. Uh, Senator, good to have you back. How are you today? I am great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Look, I'll tell you what, Guy, before we even uh, get, uh, get to how disincentivizing this is, to the housing market because it'll put a freeze on millions of folks who otherwise interested in selling and buying homes. Let's just look at how it provably assaults the Constitution because it is indeed a tax not written by Congress, which should make it ripe for very winnable court challenges, should it not, Senator? Well, that's always been my question is, is why is Congress not standing up for itself and suing the executive branch for um, – violating the, the the separation of powers. Congress is the one that makes the laws, not the administration. And the, during the Trump administration, the, when, when the Republicans held, held both the House and the Senate, they did go back and they overturned many of the uh, um, department um, rulings that have been made for the last 20 years under the under the different administrations. And they did so because that's their authority to do that. And I think that this administration um, is way over the line and that Congress needs to take hold of their authority. I'm curious about that myself. More than any time. Really, you hear some congressional people say, we're going to pass a law that stops. You can't pass anything. You might get to pass the House, but it won't pass muster with the Senate. And besides, who needs a new law when what's going on violates already existing laws, including the Constitution. I mean, it's black-letter constitutional law as it relates to separation of powers. So there's no need for legislation to deter that which is already illegal, is there, sir? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so who is going to actually file a lawsuit? Who has standing? Well, I would say any home, any home buyer has standing because the administration doesn't have the right to put this this tax, this fee, whatever you want to call it, on them, and and so do the sellers of the property. Yeah, this is um, one of those is, times. He is actually lowering the value of every single property in the United States. You are spot on there. This is one of those times where standing could be realized by an average citizen or a group of citizens. I mean, 
I think this is ripe for an immediate citizen-wide class action lawsuit because millions could easily meet the criteria for what constitutes standing. Uh, this, this is uh, as established by the Supreme Court's ruling in Lujan v. Defenders of the Wildlife, 1992. Uh, just to truncate this, here, these are the requisites that have to be met in order to satisfy what's known as standing. You've got to first uh, meet injury in fact. Uh, this is a harm that is actual and imminent versus merely conjectural or hypothetical. I would say that box is ticked. The next is causation. We have to show uh, that said harm is traceable to the controversial conduct in focus. That's a breeze. That's a walk down easy street to show the harm that's traceable to the action being taken. And then finally, likelihood of redress. Now, this is where the plaintiffs, that being all of us, would have to identify the remedy that a court's ruling could offer. Well, the remedy is to just stop the sucker. <laughs> if the courts stop it, remedy realized. Now, given that this is a proven negative, uh, negative impact on millions having good credit, with easily shown linkage to the constitutionally non-compliant action in focus and, Senator, that it can be stopped immediately by the court or courts that would rule on the violation in question, sir, it would appear that this would be a law firm's wet dream when it comes to the matter of standing. Where am I mistaken? I, I couldn't agree more. And if, if you were to file a class action lawsuit, that any attorney out there with his weight would be getting a heck of a, of a payout at the end of the day. And, and why we don't have somebody taking this on, I don't know. But also, for another perspective, why aren't the lenders? filing lawsuits because really? the lenders are going to be losing a ton of money on the the repercussions of this policy by the administration and i mean it's just a crazy policy i don't understand what their ultimate motivation is but the lenders are going to be losing a lot of money because there's going to be a lot of people that can't qualify for the new um loan amount based on based on these increased fees well now the federal housing, um, the Federal Housing Agency, the FHFA, um, they're not the only ones that are handling, I mean, this doesn't affect everybody with, in the housing market, does it? I mean, if, you have a, if you've gotten your loan from a private bank and you're already locked in with a good rate, you can, uh, you can dodge all this silliness, but still, it does wind up hurting the value of your home, does it not, Senator? But values the, it hurts the value of the home, hurts the buyer, and I would say it does hurt the lender because the lender's going to have fewer loans. I'll tell you what, Senator, if you can, buddy, hang on the line for just a moment. Folks, you're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back. This message is provided by Beringer Engelheim. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, or IPF, is one of the more common forms of progressive fibrosing interstitial lung diseases with symptoms including breathlessness during activity, a dry and persistent cough, chest discomfort, fatigue, and weakness. There are more than 200 lung disorders that can lead to pulmonary fibrosis, an irreversible scarring of lungs that can negatively impact lung function, quality of life, and may become life-threatening. While approved treatments for people living with these diseases can help slow disease progression, new therapies are needed to help potentially stop progression. Fortunately, there is new research underway to assess the safety and efficacy of an investigational treatment in patients with IPF and other progressive ILDs. This is part of Beringer Ingelheim's Phase 3 Global 
Global Fibronear program. To learn more about Fibronear and eligibility requirements, visit fibronear-ipf.longboat.com and fibronear-ild.longboat.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon-St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM SkillsBuild continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans' organization has provided more real-time Ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at PVA.org. It looks to me a bit like 07 08 when we were throwing money at people who could not repay their loans. I know it's on a smaller scale, but it looks similar to me. How about you? Uh, 100%, Stuart, and it, it's a bizarre world. Uh, the, that fee that's charged, you know, PMI, which is uh, personal mortgage insurance, that fee that FHA charges is intended to punish those with lower credit scores and, and riskier loans to basically level the playing field from a risk perspective. What are we doing? We're doing the opposite. If you have a high credit score, and 680 is a good credit score, you have to pay more. And we're talking about real money. This could be $100 a month more 
uh, depending on the size of your loan. So it makes no sense. And by the way, this isn't about first time home buyers. There's nothing in this rule that says it applies to first time home buyers. It applies to anybody borrowing money that's insured by FHA. It's madness. So bizarre. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two dimensional approach. I thought it was important to replay that clip. Um, again, an exchange on uh, Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney. His guest is Mitch Rochelle, uh, who's uh, Madison Ventures uh, Plus Managing Director, and he's describing what's going on. And notes that the Biden rule, wherein um, you will have people with good credit effectively having to subsidize those with bad credit when looking at loans, he says when this is uh, looked at, he says this is not just about first-time homeowners or first-time buyers. Uh, it applies to anyone who's applying for a loan. So if you've already been through the process and you got great credit and you want to go out and buy another home, um, you're going to get spanked. The only ones who are protected are the ones who just hold on to their homes and don't move. You know, you, it, there was already a good incentive to do that because people who, um, you know, are locked into a good low rate, good you, you know, low 30-year rate, uh, don't want to get anywhere near this madness anyway. But when you add this kind of damaging development, the idea of, of now penalizing those with good credit so as to subsidize those with bad credit looking for mortgages, it's just going to make, thing, make things uh, obviously far worse. This seems to be the most um, uh, economically regressive uh, policy that this administration could have ever mustered. Uh, anyway, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing over to the show, former state Senator Ted Harvey, chairman of the committee to defeat the president at StopJoe.com. He also served as White House staffer under President Ronald Reagan, as well as District Office Manager for Congressman Joel Heffley. He also, again, served himself in Colorado's House of Representatives before shifting over to the Senate. Uh, Senator Harvey, we appreciate you sticking around. And again, you got Biden's FHFA rule forcing those with good credit to subsidize those with bad credit for mortgages um, going on. And, and the thing is, is before we, we continue any longer about or any, into any greater depth about how counterintuitive all this is to any logic whatsoever, we have to remember this is for all intents and purposes, an illegal tax because you're taking money from people uh, in a fashion that's not been approved by Congress. This is Congress's Article I uh, purview, is it not? It is. And where, why isn't Congress uh, standing up for their, for their branch of government? Um, I, if I were in Congress, I would be uh, demanding that the, the Congress file a lawsuit immediately to, to the courts and, and make sure that they protect their constitutional right of being able to make the laws. The, the president implements the laws. The, the uh, Congress is the one that makes the laws. And what is going on with this situation is way out of bounds for the, for the administration to be pushing. Now, exactly. Now, the American people, this is, as we were talking about before, this would be ripe for an immediate citizen-wide class action lawsuit, not because of separation of powers. The only ones who would have standing in that regard would be Congress. However, citizens would have a standing because millions could easily meet what we were referencing before, the criteria for what constitutes standing on this matter, as established by the Supreme Court's ruling in Lujan v. Defenders of Wildlife in 1992. Again, uh, there are three points of criteria that would have to be met. One is injury in fact. 
This is a harm that is actual and imminent versus merely conjectural or hypothetical. That box is ticked. Causation, showing how said harm is traceable to the controversial conduct and focus. That box is ticked. You can easily say, hey, I'm going to get harmed because they're doing this. Finally, likelihood of redress. This is where the plaintiffs must identify the remedy that a court's uh, ruling could offer. And, well, that, that, that could easily be achieved because, uh, uh, you know, once a court stops this action, uh, then the violation in question would immediately be um, set aside. Now, what we're also looking at are treasurers and other officials from 27 states calling this, quote-unquote, disastrous, as well as, quote-unquote, one of the most backward uh, incentives imaginable. And the reason, Senator, is because the good credit folks needed to subsidize the bad credit ones these guys are going to hold back buying a home, thus meaning they'll also be holding on to the homes they already have locked in with lower rates, consequently draining the housing market of really both inventory and buyers, thus further damaging the economy. Or am I exaggerating in the least, Senator? <laughs> Not at all. And, and again, the, the reason why all of these folks have standing is because the executive branch does not have the authority to make these kind of laws. And they, they, any, anybody who's buying a house could say, I, I don't have to be, um, have this be implemented against me because it's not law. And I was saying this the entire time when I was flying on United Airlines all across the country during the pandemic, and they kept saying, you have to wear the mask. That's the law. And it's not, it wasn't the law. It was the administration trying to say it was a law, but it wasn't. And um, this is the, this goes way beyond just being forced to wear a mask on an airplane. This is actually adding significant amount to the, the um, loan amount that you're going to be having to pay every month. You, you look at the the, at the highest range for an FHA loan across most of the United States is about $470,000 is the upper end of an FHA loan. So if you add over a point to that, you are looking at well over $100 a month that's going to be added to your payment simply because of this illegal um, fee that has been added to these folks. And it's simply because they did a good job of keeping their credit score high. So we're penalizing them and saying that they have to subsidize people who weren't doing a good job of keeping their credit score high. Exactly. Even Obama's former Federal Housing Administration Commissioner, uh, David Stevens, he smacked this sucker around. He said, quote, we can do better programs to help more minorities get into home ownership. This is not the way to do it. Um, Also, uh, reporting on the issue uh, from Fox Business, was one Peter Kasparowicz. Uh, he's got a piece out entitled uh, States Revolt Against Biden's Disaster Mortgage Retri- uh, Redistribution Rule uh, to Subsidize Risky Loans. Um, and basically, y- again, you got financial officials from 27 states wrote to Biden and FHFA Director Sandra Thompson saying that, quote, it is already clear that this new policy will be a disaster uh, Kaspergowicz uh, reported that the letter was led by Blue State Pennsylvania Treasurer Stacy Garrity, who further said that, quote, it amounts to a middle-class tax hike that will unfairly cost American families millions upon millions of dollars and at a time when the real estate market has already slowed considerably due to high interest rates, it will further depress home sales, unquote. Again, the letter 
from the 27 states added that, quote, we urge you to take immediate action to end this unconscionable policy, unquote. Senator, how bad will this have to get before Biden and company reverse course? Your take. It will take a lawsuit. And if you look at how the Supreme Court ruled in the EPA case uh, last year, year before last, and said administrations can't do this kind of public policy, making laws from the White House, um, everybody understands they're going to lose if it goes. Final word. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day, and on random occasions through Throughout the year, they're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. This forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills 
skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach, covering a number of things. You know, Hispanics shift to Republicans is evidenced by 60% of them in Florida voting for Governor Ron DeSantis because they reject the woke socialism camouflaged as a cure against their claims of really non-existent American systemic evils. So how will this phenomenon impact the 2024 election? Um, will other Republicans be able to turn Hispanics around? Because, let's face it, woke policies run dramatically contrary to the ethos that is part and parcel of the Hispanic community. For one thing, Republicans seem to understand that Hispanics are not monolithic. They're not all the same. Perspectives vary. But certain commonalities do exist, such as a greater preponderance of Hispanics have a loathing for socialism, and authoritarian governments, hence their reason for coming here. And they don't like a lot of the wokeism going on. They don't buy into this idea that in order to fight racism, you have to embrace socialism. It's a lot of silliness. I mean, that's it. They say, hey, you want to fight anti-Semitism and and hatred toward blacks? Well, you got to embrace socialism. Or what they really say is, hey, if you want to uh, fight anti-Semitism and uh, hatred towards black, you need to embrace social justice. But it's the same thing, because social justice is nothing but relabeled socialism. That's their formula. They take socialism, they relabel it as social justice, and then they attach it to a minority identity group, thus ensuring that if you subsequently criticize socialism, you can now be characterized as criticizing those who comprise that minority identity group, you know, the very group behind which that relabeled socialism has been placed. Oh, if you attack socialism, you're attacking these minorities. What a load of crap. But that's what's being handed to us right now. All these hide-behind arguments. Here are, the, here are the Democrats' laudable goals. Here's their agenda to, to get a hold of those goals. 
If you oppose the agenda, well, that means you're against these laudable goals. No schmuck. You've just not yet shown me how your agenda has the necessary properties to achieve the goals in whose name it's been proffered. Do that. Then you can be taken seriously. Anyway, without further ado, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing all front of the show, Vince Everett Ellison, member of the National Center for Public Policy Research's Project 21. He's also author of 25 Lies, the highly praised work, I should say, 25 Lies, exposing Democrats' most dangerous, seductive, damnable, destructive lies and how to refute them. He was born on a cotton plantation to sharecroppers, worked as a correctional officer, also worked with many African-American civic organizations, and has appeared on outlets such as Newsmax and Fox News, as well as One America News. Um, Also, he's got a new documentary out, Will You Go to Hell for Me? People love this thing, by the way. Will you go to hell for me? This reveals how Democrats have contaminated America's soul. Uh, good to have you back. Vince, how are you today? Hey, man, I'm glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. No, a pleasure, a pleasure indeed. Um, you heard what I mentioned about um, Hispanics shifting to Republicans. Again, 60% of them wound up going for um, Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis, or at least yeah, 60% of them in, the, in that uh, Floridian state went for Ron DeSantis. And they did so because they're not buying into the woke socialism, even though it's camouflaged as a sort of cure against what they say are uh, systemic evils in this country. I imagine you have a few of those points that you've made in your documentary, yes? Yes, well, also because the Hispanic community are, are, are Catholic, and they're, they're true Catholics. They're not any of these cafeteria Catholics that pick and choose what they believe in Catholicism, and they believe and that they are not going to go to hell for, for, for the Democrat Party. See, the, uh, the Democratic Party is a party that will castrate little boys and call them little girls. They want to abort babies up to the ninth month. They want to cut off the breasts of little girls and call them little boys. They want to drink, bring drag queens into these uh, schools and have them shaking their behinds and their children's faces. And yep. they want to let these demented men go into the bathrooms with little girls in your wives. And in our religion, in the Christian religion, we believe that if you vote for somebody like that, knowing they're going to do that, that you are going to send your soul to hell. That's the name of my documentary. The Democrats are asking you to go to hell for them. And your, 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 your listeners can go to willyougotohellforme.com and view the trailer. Before Tucker Carlson left off Fox, uh, he let me debut it on, on uh, his show. And Tucker says the best trailer you've ever seen. Sean Handy said the same thing. If you look at this trailer, it'll blow your mind, and the movie will change your life. I go into the civil rights movement, how Martin Luther King Jr., uh, uh, and the civil rights uh, uh, groups, they allowed the Marxism to destroy the black church. They allowed it to destroy the black economy. And when you look at the black community it, it, here in America, it's it's like North Korea to South Korea. It's like East Germany to <laughs> West Germany. Yeah. Inner city black community is a communist, socialist enclave in America. And the Democrats are proud of it. And they want to expand this all over the nation. And they won't just destroy your body. They'll destroy your soul. And they'll take it to hell if you vote for them. I'm telling you. No, no, you're, you're on to something there, uh, especially as it relates to the uh, uh, transgender community. I mean, um, I mean, what's wrong with saying that you can be pro-transgender while still recognizing the inherently unfair physical advantage that transgender females have over naturally born females in competitive sports? Just because you're protecting women's rights doesn't mean somehow by default You should be viewed as transphobic unless, of course, language is no longer tethered to the meanings of the words that comprise it. I mean, you've got to be pretty functionally illiterate to buy into that crap, yet that's exactly what the Democrats are peddling. Isn't that fair to say? 
These people know this. The Democrats know this. Our transgender community, and you and I know they've been around all of our lives, and we've called it gender, gender dysphoria, has always been looked upon as a mental illness. And it's been talked about like that all the way up to DSM-5. We know that. And, we're, and this is suffering. And we're supposed to care for these people. We're supposed to love them. We're supposed to pray for them. We're supposed to get them counseling. We're not supposed to encourage our children to become like them. Because then you're expanding the suffering. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen, I would, I would go, I would go, I would sort of mildly disagree with you, but still concur with you about how they do, therefore do, they, they don't have a right to indoctrinate. Now, I would say that the transgender community uh, can just, you know, flourish in what is normally supposed to be a country of live and let live. But that's the problem with the left. They're not going into, they're not embracing the live and let live. My approach would be let's go ahead and and embrace the trans community as the equals they are, but remind them that uh, a lot of people have to understand that our embracing them is not a justification to marginalize others. Now, plenty well, of the woke point out that many of that's them. That's a contradiction, my friend. That's what? a contradiction. Once you say that they are equal, once you say that they have the same rights and that as you, you then have to accept them in every other way. Because they're equal in every way. And no, we know no, that accepting not. them as equals doesn't mean that we have to accept their bullying or marginalizing of others. All right? Look, for instance, plenty of the woke point out that a lot of the folks in the trans community already feel marginalized and need to feel more included in society. And actually, I get that. But I think they need to understand that folks should still feel comfortable in saying that opposing trans females going up against naturally born females in competitive sports is not showing prejudice against the trans community as much as it's showing a sensitivity to naturally born females. Nobody can deny, damn it, nobody with three gray cells to rub together. Nobody can deny the scientifically provable physiological advantages that trans females have over naturally born females, just as no one can reject the physiological advantages that naturally born males have over trans males. Where am I mistaken? But they do it every day. They do it every day because we want to split the baby here, and we don't want to deal with absolutists. No, you are a man, and you have a psychological disorder, and we need to help you. We're not going to hurt you. We're not going to demoralize you. We're going to help you. There's something wrong with you. And instead, we want to say, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not a woman, but we're not going to treat you like a woman, but there's nothing wrong with you. You can't have it both ways. Edie's crazy or he's not. And they they have a mental disorder, and what we're doing, what we're doing as Christians is not telling the truth anymore. God makes you know, you and I are mostly, you and I are mostly in agreement. Like, I don't believe the trans females should be allowed to use uh, women's restrooms. I don't think it's a good idea for trans males to use men's rooms either. The bottom line is, there's too much room for bad faith claims, just as we saw in Loudoun County, Virginia, where exactly. a, a kid claiming that he's a female had the excuse to go into the girls' room and sexually violate a, a, a young exactly. lady in, in, in school. And then and because they were worried about political correctness, they let the guy it. off the hook, and see, he wound up going to another school start, and violating another woman. You, but that's that? what happens when you start trying to split the baby on it, as opposed to saying, no, no, it is something wrong with these people. We need to help them but not encourage their behavior. You can't say, well, there's something wrong with him, but that there's nothing wrong with him. He's correct, but he can't do what he wants to do. You have to say, no, why can't he do what he wants to do? Because there's something wrong with him. And that doesn't mean he's bad. 
That doesn't mean that we're going to hurt it. But go to willyougotohellforme.com. Watch the movie trailer. Buy the DVD. It'll change your life. Well, you know what? You and I are, for the most part, in agreement. And But see, this is the beauty of not being in the left community. You and I understand that it's important to understand, to realize that this is a nation wherein folks should be allowed complete freedom of speech so that arguments can rise and fall on the merits versus being at the mercy of the dictates of one party over the other. And for that, I celebrate you, Vince Everett Ellison. Folks, you're listening to The Alan Nathan Show. Going to be right back. In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager. Jump Clouds Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices, and cloud based options aren't ideal either. Jump Cloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end to end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you wanna support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic 
ran a red light, and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year, remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our vets need you. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity. I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair, and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system. I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me? Would there be a ventilator for me? Would I be able to survive something? It's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy... It's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now. We all got to help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're going to be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. I want to turn a little off the beaten path here uh, with our next guest. Uh, we've been talking about, of course, Biden's FHFA rule, forcing those with good credit to subsidize those with bad credit for mortgages. We've been talking about how it's actually an illegal tax because it's a tax that was never approved by Congress. Uh, you've got uh, officials from 27 different states assailing it as, <clears throat> excuse me, disastrous and also one of the most backwards incentives. And we're going to get into that uh, a little um, in the following hour again. Also talking about Hispanics shifting to Republicans as evidenced by 60 percent of them in Florida voting for Governor Ron DeSantis. Why? Because they reject the woke socialism camouflaged as this sort of cure for their claims of non-existent American systemic evils. Uh, how do we see this phenomenon impacting the 2024 election? But right now, I want to go ahead and uh, return to an issue we were talking about with Vince Everett Ellison, my previous guest. He a member of the National Center for Public Policy Research's Project 21, um, on the issue of uh, transgenders feeling they have the right to impose their will on others in the name of stopping all those who would otherwise be transphobic. Um, you have to understand, folks, an agenda is never validated by its stated goals. Right, people say, how could that be? Well, because that's the job of the agenda, to validate itself by showing how it would achieve those stated goals. So we can celebrate the trans community while still also understanding that it's perfectly reasonable to point out that trans females have a definite ph physiological advantage over naturally born females in competitive sports. And because of that reality, it is not fair to marginalize women's right in the name of a trans right that still has to be under discussion. They have the right to enter competitive sports, but just not against naturally born women because 
as a matter of science, there's a physiological disparity that cannot be denied, at least to anybody with an IQ over pound cake. Anyway, without further ado, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing Caroline Moore, Vice President of Parents Defending Education, talking about how Vermont, this is Vermont School District, is going to be teaching about puberty and human production or reproduction, but without using the words boy, girl, female, or male. Instead, I think they're going to be using sperm donor and, you know, egg provider. Uh, Carolyn Moore, good to have you on board. How are you today? Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Glad to be with you. No, uh, a pleasure, a pleasure indeed. And and pardon me for my soapbox entry onto this other issue, but, uh, you know, it strikes me that... uh, that it, that too many on the left, you know, are, are are not understanding that we can be pro-transgender while still recognizing the inherently unfair physical advantage that transgender females have over naturally born females in competitive sports. What is so bizarre about pointing that out? I ask you. You know, I think you bring up a good question. I mean. I think that everyone knows that a biological female is different than a biological male just as they're born. And so these are discussions that need to be had. I mean, I think that it is important that we, you know, respect everyone um, as they are and as, you know, um, they see themselves. But at the same time, allowing, you know, biological males to compete against or on the same team as biological females is just inherently wrong. And it's the opposite of what Title IX, the whole outline of Title IX is. It's to protect female sports and um, to protect females. Really, it's to protect females, not trans females, not men who identify as women. I think we could be respectful of them but still say, hey, you don't have a right to violate women's rights in the name of a right you're claiming to have that that is simply not panning out. In other words, we can universally celebrate, I think, the entire trans community as the equals they are without having to deny science in a way that consequently marginalizes others just because said science doesn't fit a preferred narrative camouflaged as a superior morality. I mean, why is this such an outlandish thing to state? I'm at a loss. No, I'm with you. I think that, you know, all of this is done in the view of inclusivity and I think you can be inclusive at the same time to what end? I mean, if you're ignoring um, basic anatomy, biology, physiology of human beings and how they're born, I mean, there are, you know, differences that separate all of us. And the biological differences between a biological born male and a biological born female, I mean, those are things you can't ignore. And if nothing else, what's interesting to me is, in the Title IX sports rule is that the Biden administration cites fairness um, in their and protecting females or something like that in citing their um, their new regulation that includes transgender females or gender identity um, so that um, transgender females can participate on the same team as biological females. But it completely ignores fairness. I mean, how could that be fair that um, biological females are competing against biological males? Essentially, yeah. I mean, Martina Navratilova points out that after puberty, uh, the difference is baked in. You don't really and you can't turn back the clock. Also, they can't say in the name of inclusivity, they get to wind up being uh, 
practicing exclusivity uh, at the same time. You can't say that in the name of being inclusive, uh, you get to be exclusive where women's rights are concerned. I mean, what right do you, how is it that you have a right to remove the right of others in the name of your own uh, so-proclaimed right? I mean, you've got to be able to tether no, that assertion I, I to some measurable standard of accountability and dialogue and debate, do you not? No, it's so true. And I think that, you know, you're, you bring up a great point that it marginalizes females. It does. I mean, not only do women, is there a risk to fairness, but there's also an injury risk here. I mean, they're actually in the last, like over the last weekend, because I'm coming up with, you know, I'm helping draft our Title IX comment. And I think that everybody should go to our website, defendinged.org. And you can easily submit a comment through our website to um, the Biden administration and say, like, hey, hold on a second. This isn't OK. But um, in drafting our comment, I'm trying I'm looking up things about injuries to biological females. And I mean, it is scary. I mean, you could have a brain injury. I read about a girl who is from North Carolina and was just playing volleyball. And most people don't think of volleyball as a contact sport. This woman um was accidentally, you know, spiked in the head with a, a volleyball from a transgender athlete, and now she has brain delays. You know, it's very scary. No, it sounds it. And also, I think it's odd that Vermont would say you can't say female or male anymore, but it's okay to say trans male or trans female. This is counterintuitive. Oh, I mean, I, the paradox is we're talking about having to be more sensitive to those who identify as the gender opposite to the one. Uh, into which they were born, but then we're supposed to concurrently ignore the existence of genders. I, they're, they're wrapping themselves up into knots out of which I don't think they, they'll ever be able to untangle themselves. Carolyn Moore, thanks for joining us. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703 719 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.